Welcome back into the PFF College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Galina, PFF underscore Seth. And um, on today's episode, we talk to, of course, Anthony Tresh. But first, talk to um, Jason Kirk of Moon Crew, um, college football editor for SB Nation for a long time in the Advantage Society. Um, great uh, talk about rankings and historical rankings and how the rankings worked, um, how bowl games worked, how uh, and, and still work. How the committee works now that we have a, a, a you know college football playoff committee. So just you know talk like that, and then um, a little talk about Liberty. You know, obviously Liberty is uh, you know eight and one, nine to one, something like that, and they've kind of come out of nowhere. Only five years in the or, or since like twenty seventeen, they've been in twenty sixteen, they've been in the FBS, and now they're having a great year. Um, so we talked about how they kind of came about, um, what they're trying to do being like the Notre Dame, uh, the evangelical Notre Dame, talking about that stuff. And then, like I said, Anthony Chess came on, talked about top 25, talked about quarterbacks, talked about a whole bunch of shit. And, um, and yeah, I hope you like it. So let's get into that, uh, just Kirk interview, uh, uh, right away. I am pleased to welcome to the show, Jason Kirk, editor of, is it the moon crew or moon crew? Hmm. This is, we should probably have a style guide on this. We've, we've usually just said moon crew, but if someone were to give us the, uh, Ohio state, uh, the, you know, then we would accept it. We are. Hey, the well, I, then members. I'm going to bestow this upon you. Thank you. Um, editor of the moon crew, Jason Kirk, uh, <laughs> joins me on the PFF college football podcast. I'm using the word bestow a lot because I'm watching the crown right now. Okay. So get, I'm getting into the, you know, um, the heavy, heavy words, you know, big, big, meaningful words like bestow. Um, I feel like, or- um, I'm, I'm going to start becoming a, a questing person because of the Mandalorian. Like <laughs> I, I've been charged with questing for lunch, you know, like you don't just do stuff. You're questing for it. Uh, yeah, just telling that to the subway guy as you as he asks what what do you want on your sandwich. Um, so uh, I said this before we started recording, but I want to make it clear that I'm not happy about uh, this being the second time um, in the last month on my podcast that someone has joined me wearing an Atlanta Falcons sweater or sweatshirt. And, um, so that's why I'm cutting the interview off after this. Like, we're just, I'm not getting into anything. Um, where are you from Atlanta? Yeah, I was born in Atlanta. I live right North of it now. Um, and yeah, we scored what 40 points. So yeah, the, the hoodie goes on this week. It's, it's definitely a hoodie week, a Falcons hoodie week. Cause we don't score 40 points all that often. <laughs> Uh, definitely not. And I don't think you're going to score 40 points this week against the saints when, uh, it's going to be, well, I like it's hard to score 40 points when you're sacked every other play, you know, if you're Matt Ryan. So, uh, I'm excited to watch the saints beat the shit out of the Falcons again this weekend. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always a 61 minute game when, uh, Taysom Hill is in, has the rock and is sort of just sputtering around for two or three yards at a time and grinding down the clock. But all right, so talking about BYU, how do you think... No, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll get into BYU in a second. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, and, and, and college-wise, who is your, your, your college team? So I, uh, I attended Kennesaw State University, also right north of Atlanta, uh, a newly-ish launched FCS program that has found some success oh, running, yeah. the, running the triple option. It was kind of a... I uh, came from the coach Bohannon came from the Paul Johnson tree. And so, you know, Paul Johnson's retired now the ranking flexbone option school in the state. Um, a few playoff wins going pretty well. 
I was raised a Georgia Tech fan, but fortunately I'm bad at math, so I didn't have to stick with that for very long. What was Georgia Tech like? <laughs> so I'm saying this like I, I'm like I'm, I, um, I'm supposed to know this type of stuff, considering this is the PFF College Football Podcast. But what was Georgia Tech like before? Um, not just before the triple option, because I remember I'm old enough to remember the Reggie Ball days, the Reggie Ball Calvin Johnson days, which is just like, from what I remember, it was just like your your classic whatever college football offense, and they just happened to have. Calvin Johnson on the team, but what was it like in the nineties? So they were good. Um, I know they, they had like a very good season, like 90, 91, something like that with Joe Hamilton. And then what, what was the, what was that the next period? Like, so my very first year of football fandom, like the year I started playing pop Warner and everything was 1990. Um, when you know, go play, go play 75 pound football in the morning, come back and watch Georgia tech pummel some hideous ACC team. This is like the, like the ACC jokes that people endured when like, you know, 15 years ago when Virginia tech would go like eight and five and somehow win the conference. That's nothing compared to the ACC before Florida state got there. Like it was the punchline of punchlines. Um, that was the year when Colorado lost a game, tied a game, basically lost another game and should have lost another game and still split the national title. Is, is that, is that the uh, fifth down year? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and also <laughs> so a, uh, a, 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 a clipping call on, uh, on a rocket Ishmael run back in the bowl game. That uh, of I'm, course. And I'm still pretty upset about, I, I gave up the team, you know, many years ago, but I'll take that one to the grave. So the, the decade started great. My first year of football fandom, I'm like, wow, this is easy, right? All we have to do is destroy horrible teams. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you get to go to uh, the big bowl games and then no, everything went downhill after that. Uh, Joe Hamilton came in at the end of the decade, probably should have won a Heisman, but you know, uh, okay. dude in Wisconsin ran for about 8 billion yards. So right. sure. He, uh, and then yeah, playing in the CFO. Hold on. Yeah. Go on. And then, yeah, it was the Chan Gailey era with, uh, very, very good offensive coordinator in 2020, Chan Gailey, apparently. Yeah, that's baffling. That's completely <laughs> baffling. And, and, and it's funny. Um, there was the Reggie Ball years where, um, I mean, I would be surprised if there is a four-year starting quarterback with worse career numbers than Reggie Ball. Um, but Calvin Johnson was there, which made it just so tantalizing. You know, like what could have been with just an average quarterback? Um, and then, yeah, I went, it went from there to the, to the yeah. triple. Uh, I'm going to interject with this really stupid story, but <laughs> I'm just thinking about the fifth down. So for, that, for, for those who don't know, and I don't know it by heart, but from what I remember, so Colorado was playing Nebraska, I believe in, like you said, you know, the early nineties and it was they, Missouri. Oh, it was Missouri. Okay. Yeah. So the, the refs accidentally, cause I think there was a spike. They, they were going, there was like no time left in the clock. They were going down there on like the 10 yard line. Um, maybe they spiked it on first or second down and the refs didn't change the downs. So they end up, so they, they, so they end up like going incomplete on like fourth down, which should have ended the game, but the refs thought that was third down. So they get an extra down and call them the fifth down. And um, anyways, the reason I'm, uh, I thought, thought about um, interjecting here is because I umpired baseball as a youth for a few years <laughs> and let me tell you how many balls and strikes uh counts that i'd get wrong uh <laughs> on a on a on a nightly basis there uh uh trying to organize the the youth of of of, of canada i guess 
Uh, so anyways, yeah, <laughs> that's just, uh, I had nothing to do with anything. It's hard. So, I mean, I can't believe it doesn't happen more often. You know, there's a lot of football that quite frankly, a lot of football happens each year. <laughs> uh, it happened, the, the specifically the balls and strikes thing happened in the World Series, I believe this past year, um, where someone like started to walk to first base and they were like, and their umpire was like, yeah, that's good. And then everyone else was like, well, <laughs> I don't think this is how the sport works. So yeah, uh, anyways, okay. So what we wanted to do today is go through the, um, the playoff rankings and, and, and kind of dive into not just the, the rankings themselves for, for this week, but like historically what they mean and all that stuff. So uh, let's, let's get into it. Let's go right away to number one, Alabama, again, number one. Uh, I would imagine they've been number one for, we're at what, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 26 years. And they've probably been, been number one for 70% of those weeks, 60% of those weeks. Yeah, just a sort of a default number one. And I mean, it's, it's really easy this year. Like, yeah. I think they're the only team with, I looked this up last night and forgot, but like the only team with, you know, I think they have three top 20 type wins. Um, A&M, Georgia. Auburn, I don't. Auburn just sort of yeah, is, is at least top twenty top in your mind, but <laughs> maybe maybe in your mind, definitely the, not top twenty. The computers, the computers count Auburn as a top twenty okay. uh, quality team, and I think the committee looks at them and just sort of thinks like, sure, they'll be back at some point, and then they'll leave, and then they'll be back, and <laughs> but yeah, Bama just feels like you know this is most of the computers have them number one in offense, which has never happened before at least in the Nick Saban era, you'd have to, I don't know, maybe Bear Bryant had a team that would have pulled that off. But yeah, this is uh, kind of the opposite of where they were when he came in, you know, where it's, it's number one defense and top 10 offense. Now it's, now it's the opposite though. The defense is still improving. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like the, the scary part with this team going forward is that the defense has started to come around. And obviously like a lot of, a lot of the, 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 their issues on defense in terms of like whatever stat you want to use probably has a lot to do with what happened in the old Miss game. Uh, that probably played a big part of it since, since, since we don't have a big sample size this year. But um, still, uh, you know, I put this on, I, I tweeted like, because I looked up where they were in, in, the, in the ranking in the SEC and like EPA per play. And it was like, you know, they're like for each week, it was like ninth and they, they maybe went up to eighth and then like 10th and like fifth and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like ninth, fifth, fifth, fourth, three, two, one. And now they're, they're <laughs> still the first, they're the best team. And again, best team on offense, best team on defense. And, and I think that one of the crazy things is like the offense has not missed a beat since losing, in my opinion, their, <laughs> I want to say this out loud because then people are going to, People are gonna find it and, and and hurt me, but their best receiver, Jalen Waddle, um, even though the other guys, the other guys probably gonna win the bullet the cop. So, yeah, and I mean, and and losing Tua, right, coming into the season. And, well, this uh, one, yeah, one of the things I got right, I didn't get many things right this off season, but one of the things I did get right was that Mac Jones was gonna have a really big year because you saw pieces of it when he when he replaced Tua last year. Yeah, the iron ball in the ball game last year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we'll move on to two and three because that's kind of 
right now kind of interchangeable because we we don't know because they have another game to play most likely and that's notre dame and clemson uh, notre dame undefeated with the win over clemson clemson that one loss just to notre dame uh so it makes sense right now uh them notre dame being ahead of them but what do you see happening like what are the the results that can happen in this acc title game that would vault clemson over notre dame so I think this is where stuff gets really fun. Like every single year around this time, or maybe even a week or two earlier, we reached the Alabama's probably already clinched point, you know, and this year they're getting very close to that, right? Like say they go to the SEC title game, they lose to Florida. They're probably still in Notre Dame might already be in that boat with a win over yeah. Clemson. That's almost certainly going to be the best win of the regular season for anybody. Um, say they, you know, say they lose to Clemson in the rematch and they keep it within 10 points. Um, I mean, I, I'm, it's hard to, what is A&M going to have a better resume than that? You know, that's, that's absurd. Um, Clemson, if they lose again, they got to be out. Um, but Notre Dame and Clemson making it in, I would, I would consider that, you know, somewhat likely. I think the only really scenario you could see is Clemson just destroys Notre Dame and it makes it look like the first time around was a total fluke without exactly. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Because, you know, the committee going back to when they started, when they laid the, the blueprints in 2014, um, they did warn us that they're going to do this thing where if a player is out due to injury, they're going to yeah. retroactively mulligan it and, you know, they're going to take that into account and no one knows what that means. But this is, this would be the probably the, the starkest, clearest example yet of that coming into play in some way what do we know about the committee what like <laughs> what what like oh man every time and i made this i talked about this last week after they said like iowa state they like the iowa state because they can run the ball which is like you know i don't get into it again but it bothered me so like but, but that's the problem is like we don't know what they're they're like yeah sometimes we'll we'll take into account this and sometimes we'll take into account this and sometimes and and you know the more we know about like you know analytics numbers in this sport you know the more we 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 take we don't look at certain things and they're still going to look at them and so like yeah what 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 it, it has the committee like historically done um to rank teams or or what have they not done to rank teams like well, i don't i don't i just don't get it <laughs> so i mean a lot of people you know get get tired of the rankings talking about the rankings i never get tired of it i like like uh you know i am the person espn is 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 putting playoff <laughs> graphics in every five minute window for i love it i just outright think it's awesome i think it's uh, you, you can trace this stuff back through history all the way to the very beginning of the sport. I love rankings. Um, what's your What's your favorite favorite uh, year of rankings in, in the AP poll era? Oh, AP not, poll era. Clearly, I mean, obviously, you know my answer is 1964, but I'll let you. I'll let you <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, probably uh, 1941, of course, when Bama was number 20 and then claimed a national title 40 years later. That's a really good one. <laughs> such, that's such an Alabama thing to do. Uh, I like, I, 1983 is really annoying. That was the year Miami beats Nebraska because Nebraska doesn't, uh, you know, does the valorous thing and uh, tries for the win instead of yeah. the tie in their bowl game. Um, because I think that's a year where the power of the story of Miami ended up topping 
what was quite arguably a better team in Auburn that had a really good title claim of its own mm-hmm. with a brutal schedule with a transitive win over Miami. Um, that's when I go back to a lot. Uh, but yeah, for good or for bad, I, I love rankings. <laughs> um, anytime, um, anytime I have, we have a chance to have a very good Auburn team not win a national title, I'm, I'm okay with that. So those are frequent. 83 is a good, yeah, it's very frequent. <laughs> that happens every 10 or 15 years or so. <laughs> so um, b- before, before LSU won the national title last year, um, I was always wondering, like, you know, would you, ra- would you be, would you want the, the Auburn thing where you're like kind of like, Eh, for some years but then every once in a while you have you know the cam newton year the the, the nick marshall year i guess i don't think they call it that there but i'm calling it that the and kick six year yeah the kick six year yeah um obviously now that lsu won the title i'm like yeah i would just take lsu three national <laughs> titles but like but like there was a time when i was like yeah you know they're not great but then you get these magical years that maybe it's not that terrible being an auburn fan I think on average it, they come out ahead, right? Like, yeah. And, and, uh, as a fan of an NFL team, of course, that has had one really good year and otherwise a mm. bunch of, bunch of mediocrity. I sure you, you know, I'm sure you've picked up that lesson as well. The, uh, the joys of, of being good exactly once and never, ever again. So <laughs> the, um, the playoff committee, I, for a while, for a few years, I tried to sort of like find the science in it. You know, because like, yes, it's all art and it's all just they're going to rank them how they rank them and then retroactively make up some stuff like Iowa State's average run game being a reason for them to rank in the top 10. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the the clearest benchmarks I can find are basically wins over power five Mm. grade teams like there are a few every, you know, Boise State will usually count as like power five ish. Um, And this year that really throws everything off because like Iowa State's been four games right and uh notre dame's played nine you know cincinnati's played eight byu's played yeah. nine. you know it's just all over the place so like i have no clue but are you are what... you excited because because of that like as a rankings nerd like are you excited that we're gonna get weird and 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 uh, the house thing is the is hopefully i'm praying for this that I mean, I'm not praying for people to get COVID, obviously, but I'm, sure. but I'm like, uh, the chaos of if, if Ohio State has to miss, uh, has to cancel another game and then finish the season five and oh without a chance to play in the Big 12, uh, the Big 10 title game. Uh, I, I, so we could, we could pray that, uh, we could pray that Michigan State and Michigan are, are overly cautious and overly careful and, uh, you know, and then, yeah, Ohio State doesn't get. It. So the funny thing about that, is say Ohio State has another cancellation ineligible for the Big Ten Championship, meaning no game against Northwestern. Um, the Big Ten is doing this one versus one, two versus two, three versus three thing. So Ohio State would go into that weekend with a game against uh, Iowa or Wisconsin. Getting a top 25 type win, any, very likely win anyway. <laughs> so like Ohio State could come out fine. Um, and the committee, I mean, the committee's put I, in teams that haven't won conference titles before, you know? So like, absolutely. Yes. This would be the, by far the strangest thing that we've ever looked at. And as always, it always revolves around Ohio state. They should call if, if we get Ohio state, Wisconsin, they should call it the big, the, the big Ten I mean, should call it honest, their title game to make it seem big bigger than it is. <laughs> like we love Indiana and Northwestern's players are cool, but like, come on, <laughs> Ohio state, Iowa, that would, yeah, that 
<laughs> I, I'm still mad at Northwestern for losing to Michigan State because so Northwestern is now they dropped to 14th. Um, mad at them because I, I just these are the teams we want to see um, because we know every team out. We, we've dissected Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State, and and Georgia and all those teams so much. So like once in a while, if we can get a year where Northwestern, uh, who who honestly always plays with a good defense, but but you know has an, at least an, probably like an average offense this year, at least, you know, being undefeated. So I'm still pissed at them that they lost to Rocky Lombardi and the Michigan State Spartans. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have been cool for the uh, Big Ten Championship if it happens to, you know, technically be a play-in game, because that's always nice. Feel a quarterfinal. We had Iowa-Michigan State do that one year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, as it is, if we have, you know, Bama-Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, some combination of those four teams. Like we know those are the four best teams. You know, we can just, we can just admit those are the four best teams, but is, it would yeah. be very, very fun if someone were able to earn their way in and then see yeah. what something different looks like. That, that's the question. We, we, there's no doubt that the four most talented teams are always, you know, going to be mostly the same. There's like four in a pool of, seven that you can make the case every year, eight that you can make the case every year. So like Alabama, I might, you know, let's say we put Notre Dame in there. It's like Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma. And even that, you know, if we're talking nationally, the defense obviously hasn't been good for a long time. So I don't even know if you would put them in the most top seven, most talented teams. And then LSU and, you know what Jimbo's doing at Texas A&M and Florida. So, but so it's like we know we already know. Like we know who is talented. Um, that's no question. But like, would you like to see more deserving teams based on a, a, a played out schedule? But based on a schedule that they have played throughout the season of college football, get into um, the national relevance. Yeah, and I think that has been the the committee set this out as a as a debate from the beginning. Is it best or is it most deserving, right? Mm -hmm. And no one really knew what that meant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we know no. Well, we know the most deserving is Iowa State because their running back breaks a couple of tackles every because, game. Brother, they will just trample you. <laughs> and it's uh, Bill Connolly has looked, you know, has 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 said that just outright, like they are pulling um, the teams that that beat the most teams you know that have winning records like it's not really about one thing or the other it's just who are you playing it's not how are you playing right like this year BYU at 13 despite I mean everyone agrees BYU is a top 10 team like there are some computers that have BYU like two four three two like everyone agrees if BYU doesn't lose they should get some sort of a shot but as it is right now they wouldn't even get a fiesta bowl and that's crazy I think they'll sneak up into that but yeah, I mean, it would be awesome to see one of these, you know, one of these new teams get a shot. It's just very difficult when, all right, who are the teams that could beat Alabama? Well, there's about three of them, right? If we're being honest, right, like yeah. A&M, they're the number five team and they got destroyed. So, you know, any team below A&M, do they have a shot, you know? Um, well, my, my thing, I told this to our mutual friend, Richard Johnson last night, um, and I, yeah, I pissed them off because I said Florida's going to beat Alabama in the title <laughs> So, yeah, that's my one take. Uh, we'll, we'll, let, let's talk about the next two. So, to Texas A&M 5, Florida 6. 
the, the funny thing about this one is Florida is better than Texas A&M. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, yes. okay, we're, not, we're in agreement there. Um, it's a fluke. You know, when you look at that's and, and, and this is what you're saying, it's like when you look at just wins and losses, you don't get the nuance. And Florida was better for the, you know, it was a close game. I think Florida probably was better than Texas A&M, and, and they lose because of the fluke. They, the guy fumbled on, like, the 50. And fumbles are the most random thing in football, probably. So it's like, well, there's another issue with the with the rankings is Texas A&M above Florida just because of uh, uh, of, of two plays, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, looking at it right now, without the knowledge of Alabama and Florida having played, if Florida's number five, you're thinking, OK, they could give them a challenge. Right. Um, and yeah, if you look at the season as a whole, Florida's a better team, but the committee has you know, they established right up front that like head to head is going to yeah. count for a lot, partly because a lot of the way the committee set up is an overreaction to the BCS, the things people complained about with mm. the BCS. Right. And, you know, for years, people wanted more like transitive, like a chain of transitive nonsense in the in the rankings like this team beat that team and this team beat that yeah. team. And like, well, OK, by week 10, you cannot keep all that stuff in line. Like, you know, at some point, a season is about more than just one game. But. I think, you know, I think Florida will jump A&M at some point. I think we can, <laughs> we can probably. Well, but, but the thing is now it's like if, if Florida goes and loses to Alabama and, and let's say the same exact score that Texas A&M loses to them, um, like obviously the, both Texas A&M and Florida would be out of the top four, but at the same time, maybe now Texas A&M gets the near six bowl that Florida, I, I'm not really sure how, exactly how that would work, but um they would you know let's say go to a quote-unquote better bowl than than um than florida would even though like we said probably florida's better this year they yeah, have the could, they have the heisman trophy winner kyle track <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could end up it could end up that way yeah um I, I think in my head i was thinking oh yeah we still got several weeks to go but like no it's no, over we, man <laughs> we're, we're getting very over. close to the end a and m if they're at five they uh orange bowl because that would go to the top Big Ten SEC team, uh, and they would face a team from the ACC. Currently, Miami. So that'd be fun. Uh, I I love the idea of teams going to bowl games that they haven't, especially the big ones um, that they haven't been to. Um, you know, when LSU played in the Fiesta Bowl two years ago, that was fun. Uh, even though, I, how should I? Okay, that brings me to my next question uh, that just popped into my head. How should I feel about everything that's not the playoff? <laughs> and I think, and I think this is a good question for you because you and your crew do the best job, I think, of convincing people, um, not, not, not because you guys are lying, but because this is how you guys feel about college football is like, Hey, it's not all about the, 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 the hop four, the two semis in the national championship game. There's so much fun in this whole sport, um, that we, that, that we, that we watch every Saturday. So like, how can I. And, and I'll go back to this LSU uh, Central Florida Fiesta Bowl. It was like, it was fun. I had a good time watching it. You know, they scored a lot of points. It was a, it was a back kind of back and forth game. It was fun. But at the end of the day, I was like, I want to see LSU win a national championship. I was rewarded a go. year later. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, how do I, how do we as a society of college football washers get up, get up for the, for, for these, for, for any game that's not, you know, a big one. So obviously, you know, I think in all of our perfect scenario, or at least most of us in our perfect scenarios, we'd have a big expanded playoff, FCS style, yeah. however many. 
everyone gets a shot. Like literally every team in the country having a technical path to the national championship. Every team in the Sun Belt. That's yeah. you know that sounds awesome. The system we have now, um, I hate to say it, but I think it's uh, I think it's it's realistic um, because like yes, we would love to see you know the top sixteen having chances to win it all. Oklahoma State in a playoff would not actually have a chance to win at all. <laughs> Northwestern would have no chance to win at all. Iowa State, sorry, your run game is incredible. But, uh, you know, Georgia, we have already seen you play two teams above you yeah. and you were not exactly competitive. Mm -hmm. So, like, in most years, and people have actually looked at this, like how many teams in an average season are, you know, truly elite quality. And in most seasons, it's between one and six, right? It's usually going to be three, four, five, something like that. So, like, in terms of giving viable contenders, you know, in, in terms of narrowing the playoff to just that, four really might be the right number. The thing about bowls and having this, you know, this this archaic, vestigial, completely nonsensical bowl system sprawling out of the playoff is we end up with more teams, players, and fans who get to finish the year happy. Because, you know, LSU beating UCF, all right, that's a, that's a great win. You can put that on the recruiting graphics. Players get a nice ring. Uh, everyone watched it. You got sure, to they, shut they up UCF. Got, they all got PS4s, which is always nice. See? And you don't get, you don't get PS4s uh, in the, I think, so in the national title, I don't even know if you get extra gifts. I haven't even, because like, you get the gifts at the semis, but the national championship, I haven't, I, I can't recall. But, so you get to finish the year on a high note. Whereas if you had to then go and play Clemson, you would yeah if you're like coastal, like coastal carolina this year or something like that sure sure yeah we're like say you know say um indiana right say indiana looks into a new year six bowl yeah which hey that wouldn't be entirely lucky they're a really good team um and they get to you know they get to take down say say they get to take down georgia or something like that that is that might be the greatest win in indiana history but if they go to the playoff they're going to get destroyed, if not in round one, then in round two, right? So I think the bowl system is the stupid thing that it feels like making up nonsense to justify something that is completely obsolete. But I think the end result is, like it or not, more people end up happy with it than would if they all had to play for a title, you know? Like, like in pro football, if like the, um, you know, the NFC East champ, instead of having to play, <laughs> instead of having to play an actual good team, you know, got to just play like just a game for fun in the Bahamas. That'd be so much better. And then we wouldn't have to watch the NFC East. Yeah, that's the main thing is just whatever we can do to not watch the NFC East in meaningful <laughs> games, we're going to do it. So, so you, um, you and your crew uh, wrote this fantastic book this, this off season, uh, the Sinful Seven, um, like kind of like a fictional and yet non-fictional account of college football history. So, so you probably are the right guy to ask this is like, explain the bowl system. Like, like, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but like, can we go through time here on how we got to this point um, where we have this, we have this, um, even though you just finished explaining how cool it was, we have this bloated bowl system <laughs> at the end of each season. It's incredibly stupid and I love it. Um, okay. So in that book, we, we, there's a there's a chapter in there, Richard Johnson, where it's basically the history of the postseason and how it's ultimately all about money and like drawing the contrast between footballs and basketballs, where basketball, they start from 
step one, they say we're going to do tournaments because that's the thing, basketball tournaments. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a national collegiate basketball tournament. Whereas football, they didn't start with anything because, you know, this was uh, 119 years ago, I guess. In, and, 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 where, and where was it? It was, it was in, in Pasadena, California. It was, oh, sorry, we're talking bowl games. Sorry, I, was, I thought I was talking. I was trying to get, in, get a little snip in there with the first ever college football game in in okay play between my hometown mcgill redmond and uh, i think harvard or something like yes that. yes i i like i like that um <laughs> yeah i like that piece of history that we say records in princeton sorry you were playing soccer everyone knows it you were playing soccer canada <laughs> invented football <laughs> thank you very much we're taking um, we take football and then james naismith was like from ontario so we're taking basketball shit. all right and uh and obviously <laughs> hockey so you know we're left with baseball that sucks yeah. <laughs> all, we have, all we have is baseball. So, yeah, and in football, there had been, before the 1901 Rose Bowl, there had been national title games, but they'd always been like, this Ivy League team is undefeated, and this Ivy League team is undefeated. And sure, we'll call that the national title game. Uh, the Rose Bowl comes along, and, and the, it's the same thing we have now, the flower parade that's mm -hmm. on ABC every New Year's Day morning. And far more people than I ever would have dreamed of care about this thing. It was honestly, it was getting into sports media that made me realize how many, you know, SEO. Hey, there we go. That's how you learn how people care about things is seeing who clicks on Google stuff. Um, but yeah, this flower parade decided, you know, they had uh, camel races and ostrich races and they were doing all this gladiatorial game stuff to try to drum up interest. And they decided, all right, let's do a football game. Stanford's nearby and Michigan's incredibly good. Let's pay Michigan to come here and destroy Stanford. And that's what happened. That's a bowl game. Um, and then they took off for like 16 years and they brought it back, tried it again. And uh, eventually it came to be thought of as sort of a de facto national title game. Um, like winning the Rose Bowl was basically the peak goal for every team. And like the first time Bama did it, they made a big thing of, you know, uh, the, restoring Dixie to glory or whatever. Uh, but even though Georgia Tech had been the South's first national champion. But um, and then eventually other cities. It always comes back to Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> Anything before the year 2000 with Georgia Tech, I will express some pride. <laughs> <laughs> so then other cities started to do the same thing. New Orleans with the Sugar Bowl, uh, El Paso with the Sun Bowl, mm. um, which is, for all the jokes, it, it, it actually is one of the most historic kind of prestigious bowl games. And it's I th canceled I this think year. my favorite thing about the Sun Bowl, maybe this just happened once, but I, I, in my head it happens every year at the Sun Bowl. But there was one year where it was like negative 20 degrees. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I think it was like Miami was playing too. Uh, there was the year Miami and Mizzou were playing in a blizzard. Like, enjoy that, Hurricanes. Yeah, the the Sun Bowl in 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 snowy uh, snowy weather is great irony. Uh, on 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 CBS for no really good reason. Like every bowl is on a on a Disney network except the Sun Bowl, and then like some very minor ones. Um, and yeah, so like did a history last year, an article on like the weirdest game in every bowl's history. And like, they've all got one really bizarre one. And, you know, a few of the really old ones that might have a couple, but the sun bowl, I don't know how you narrow it down. You know, there's like, there's like 10. Um, the sun bowl is just a, a chaos generator. And it's amazing that it is technically the second most storied bowl game. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, they, these things kept popping up. Some of them died. Some of them were terrible ideas. There was one in Cuba that uh, Florida's yeah. head coach had to flee arrest for criticizing the refs. Um, <laughs> and then they started popping up everywhere. Like during World War II, they were all over the Pacific Ocean was one-year bowl games. Um, and they just kept growing and growing as they kept making more money. There's, and... There was about, uh, I want to say, five, six, seven in Toronto. 
that's international in yeah, the sky, in, in the in the in the sky dome which is going to be demolished in the next couple of years but we'll have to try somewhere else for the next the next attempt yeah toronto yeah, they, i'm doing it in my backyard <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the they just yeah they just kept popping up going away I tried everything including other countries and it, it's it's funny richard actually did an article on this as well the 90 something year history of people complaining about there being too many bowl games literally back to when there was one bowl game there was a year i think it was the second or third rose bowl when the, it might have been nebraska that they invited nebraska was like no we're not we're, we're done playing football the irony now being that nebraska never never will log off from playing football nebraska demands to be let in to lose by 30 points um but yeah, people have been griping about too many bowl games for literally decades and decades and decades. And you say, oh, right, what's what's the perfect number? And they say, you know, most people, when you ask them something like that, they would say what it was when I was a kid. It's like, oh, when there yeah. were 20, right? Because people were complaining then about there being too many, <laughs> you know? And like, sure, some six and seven teams get in. And this year we might have like an 0 and 2 team get in. Like, who cares? If the players want to be there and winning, it makes them happy. What's the problem? And, and that leads me to my next question. Should everything about the world today go back to when I was 15 years old? <laughs> that's what most people think. <laughs> I think that's how most of us go through life, just wishing everything had locked in place at whatever point in middle school we were happy, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever the peak was in, in, in middle school, that's exactly um, what it was. Okay, um, speaking of peaks in the middle of the rankings cincinnati is the right they, they are uh seventh uh the past two weeks they've been seventh it's their highest ranking ever they're peaking what what can just tell me the tell me the scenario that gets cincinnati into the playoff the highest ranking in the playoff era they did get closer in the bcs they, they is have that like a <laughs> i'm gonna say a name here G, is that like a gino jaduli era that's after i think gino jaduli I don't yeah, know yeah. how to spell his name. I think, name. I, I, I think that was Brian Kelly. It is Brian Kelly. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like there was a year where since it was 09 when Texas and Alabama the, was the national title and, game. And they played if, Florida, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they played Florida. Okay, yeah. If not for the weirdness at the end of the Texas-Nebraska Big 12 championship where Colt McCoy got an extra second after throwing the ball out of bounds, Cincinnati would have had a really good argument to go to the BCS title game. Um, and it's hard to guarantee it would have happened, but like they would have been the undefeated next team up this year. Eight and O, really good defense. Um, have I, they don't have like you know a big, um, a really really nice takedown of a top power conference team, but their schedule is not bad. Like it's it's, it's a long list of like above average type teams. I agree, a hundred percent. You know, uh, Army not bad, Tulsa. Uh, SMU, Memphis, no one knows what to make of Houston. UCF's lost a bunch of games, but is somehow still pretty decent. Um, you know, got another, probably another shot against Tulsa. Uh, so like, this is a decent game. And, and I think what I'm, when I, I, I could be wrong, obviously, since we just explained that we don't know what the committee's doing, but the fact that the AAC has produced such top offenses over the past, uh, however long the ACC, AAC has been in, been a, been a, a, a football conference, I guess. Um, the fact that Cincinnati is now dominating those offenses when it's Memphis, SMU, UCF, like you said, like that, I hope bodes, I hope, I hope is being factored into, um, this ranking at least because they've been awesome on defense this year and the offense is coming around too. So like, then, like you said, there's, 
there are more than enough above average teams in this conference and they've dominated every big test that they've had so far. Yeah. I mean, UCF was a tough challenge, but Hey, every team's going to have a, you know, have a, have a lesser game. I mean, they've done against this schedule about what you would expect any team South of Clemson to do. Right. Um, and yeah, it's during the BCS era. The thing that I think a lot of people felt was these non-power teams, they have to win a big bowl game in order to have some credit to spend in the following year, right? Like we mm. would see Boise State beat Oklahoma and then show up way higher, you know, like a TCU, like a lot of the Utah, a lot of, a lot of those teams that are outside the power structure, it felt like they had to do it for multiple years in order to actually earn up credit. And Cincinnati, I mean, if you're in the playoff committee, you remember Cincinnati being on the doorstep of the title game, going to a BCS bowl. And you remember UCF, kind of embarrassing you that one year, you know, when they beat Auburn um, and then performing well against LSU. And you've actually, I think most of the group of five teams that have made New Year's Six Bowls have won. And I think if you go back to the BCS era when they started doing the AQs, I think that applies even more. So like these teams tend to win their big tests against power five teams that are, you know, not Cause playing. They're, Cause they're good teams. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. What like happens. Good teams like power, like games. power conference is just arbitrary yeah. and, you know, basing everything on schedule is it's a lack of imagination, you know, and it's a lack of willingness to uh, like, it's a lack of curiosity in assessing how good these teams really, really are, you know? And like, Obviously, the only way to find out is to have them play. And I think it's unfair to say that Cincinnati should get this boost because of what teams in the past have done. But at some point, that is the honest take, is that these teams tend to overperform in New Year's Six and BCS Bowls. Therefore, we might be historically underrating them. And Cincinnati showing up number seven, I mean, you know, and, and I think they entered the playoff rankings around nine, eight, seven. So, you know, like, they've been getting more respect this year than these teams have in the past. Um, there was the first year of the playoff, of course. Marshall had to get to like 11-0 and 0 just to get ranked. And like that team wasn't awesome or anything. But still, uh, I think we're seeing over the last couple of years that the committee is coming closer when it comes to evaluating these teams. BYU this year is the glaring exception. They should be five or so spots higher. But it, And it, it's funny to me because they win with an explosive offense. Like don't, don't people like watching like guys who just like throw the ball around a yard and they obviously have um, maybe the Heisman trophy winner in Zach Wilson and like uh, in a couple of good receivers and the whole line keeps, keeps everyone upright. And like that, that's an explosive offense that usually we would love to see play in important games. Like for them to be ranked. As low, anyways, I don't understand. Uh, I wanted to get to, um, uh, a team that's not ranked that I'm surprised actually that wasn't ranked last week because they were undefeated last week. Unfortunately, they go and lose to NC State um, by a point, I believe, 15-14. That's the Liberty Flames. And I wanted to ask you about, and they actually have a big game coming up this weekend against Coastal Carolina and my my boys, Coastal, uh, the, the Chanticleers. And uh, though I, I just saw news, I mean, Things will have changed by the time uh, our listeners listen to this, but I think Malik Willis might be out for this game, and we're not really sure right now, which would really suck. But anyways, Liberty, who are they? Where did they come from? <laughs> What's going on? What is the future 
um you know especially with you know there's obviously going to be like administrative changes there at the highest level and then maybe even a coaching change um this off season so like what how did this team become uh is are they like the east coast byu um are they like how did this happen out of nowhere uh for them to be uh, a very very good football team so, so far they have uh, spoken to, into existence uh, <laughs> a version of what they want to become um, as a person who was raised Southern Baptist, like Liberty has been, you know, I've been aware of Liberty for a really long time. Um, when they started football, it was very explicitly, like they, they said, it's still on their website that they basically want to be the evangelical Notre Dame and they want to use football as that vehicle to establish themselves as, you know, like the University of Notre Dame, great school and all, but like before football, it was just a school, right? Like football turned Notre Dame into Notre Dame and Liberty openly wants that. Uh, and if they could, you know, if they could be BYU along the way um, and have, you know, their own, their own network, uh, you know, and, and like special bowl deals and all that stuff and then like national recruiting, they would love that. Um, and I think they're at a couple of crossroads, no pun intended, but uh, yeah, Hugh Freeze is going to be, you know, he's going to get a second shot as a power five coach. Don't really know where yet, but it'll, it'll happen. Um, the university leadership with Jerry Fowler jr. Leaving due to, I don't even know which scandal to start with. There were so many, um, the university has to, has to make decisions about who it's going to be. Like, do you, do you continue doing the divisive, um, hateful, uh, slimy, stuff you know do you continue debasing everything that you say you stand for or do you clean it up and become you know just a pretty hard-nosed aggressive but still mainline um religious institution you know and uh that could really decide a lot because like you know when they came up to fbs one reason they had a hard time getting any confidence this is to like eight years them, ago like, nine years ago not that long ago, right? Uh, uh, Five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty recent. Like, even the Sun Belt and Conference USA didn't want Liberty because of the associations with, you know, Falwell yeah. and the things that family said for decades, you know. And, and it, before this season, two of Liberty's best players on the football team left because of, you know, what they perceived to be racism within university leadership. The women's basketball team, their best player, she left. Um, so, like, yeah, like... This team getting to nine to one, I guess that says a lot about Hugh Freeze. You know that you could lose two of your best defenders and and improve on defense, and you know the offense mm -hmm. remain remain excellent. Um, it helps when Gus Malzahn makes one of the worst decisions he's ever made in his life, and uh, <laughs> allows allows his best quarterback to go to another team. That's a whole other, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Liberty, it's 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 a tricky thing because like you know these players getting to enjoy success and having a big game. And if they win, Hey, they might finish with, you know, top 20, you know, a top 20 ranking. Um, I get a somewhat decent bowl game. Like them being independent makes, you know, like, like you could go 11 and one and go to the cure bowl with, with their setup. But um, like you feel good for the players. I don't really ever feel all that good for Hugh freeze. The AD came from Baylor. So no, I don't really feel good for him came. And I mean, directly from what Baylor. a, what a program. Yeah. What yeah, a program. It's a great place. So anybody above the players? No, you know, <laughs> uh, like unless the university makes some hard decisions, because like, like, yeah, Falwell's gone, but everyone who enabled him is still there. So 
Yeah. Well, and, and nothing would like the, the whole point is like, you said, like them just because the, the man is gone, uh, you know, like the, the actual person is gone. Does that mean they change anything? Probably uh, no. Cause that's what they're yeah, probably be the best guess that, you know, a uh, new coat of paint, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I would like to see particularly at the ACC, uh, take a break from scheduling Liberty until we assess whether this is a university that we really want to be promoting, you know, a university that openly wants to use football to promote its views until we have a much better sense of whether those views are ones that, you know, Oh, do we not have a sense of that, of, of whether, <laughs> whether we like their views or not? To this point, I would say we do not. You know, okay. I just mean uh, until they openly change those views, it would be best if power conference teams stop giving Liberty, you know, the spotlight. Because, like, Liberty right now, what are they, like, 2-1, and 3-1 against ACC teams? Like, yeah, I think 2-1. I think Syracuse, and so beat Syracuse, lost to NC State, and beat Virginia Tech on the last, the last kick of the game, so... Yeah, great job, ACC, validating all of this. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Um, thanks for thanks for coming on, Jason. I wanted to uh, give a shout out uh, to Jason because when I was uh, uh, just started writing about LSU and college football, I cold emailed Jason, and uh, six months later, he did get back to me. It took a while, but he did get back to me, and uh, he allowed me to write for uh, for SB Nation, and so uh very appreciative of of that um i don't think i look back at those articles i'm surprised you let any of those things run because they're they're terrible but that's a whole other uh thing and uh so i just wanted to thank you for coming on the pff college football podcast and thank you for responding to that email four years ago or whatever it was for sure for sure and i mean your your work was good (laughs) your work is always good thanks all first-time depositors and Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free, free PFF Edge annual subscription. So that's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get that opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy football and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every week. And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment that you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create your custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, 
Use, PF, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.com. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience together, we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, investments. I am joined as always by my good friend, Anthony Tresh, uh, to talk about this week's top 25 games. Tresh, how was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty good. Um, not too bad, pretty low key. Been MIA these last few days working on the big offensive line rankings that dropped over at pff.com. Um, I mean, I think you should check it out because I wrote it, but I think it's pretty good. Who is the, the 45th best offensive line in the country this year? 45th. Um, you're, you look, you're, you're, you're a fraud if you can't tell me right off the top of your head who the I know, 45th I know. best I, offensive line is. I, could, I can rattle off like the top 12. But okay, let's go. Give me, give me, give me, uh, give me, you know what? Give me your favorite offensive lines. Like no, the ones that you like in Notre Dame, yeah, of course. Yeah, Notre Dame, of course. But I mean, at the same time, some underrated ones. I think Buffalo, man. I mean, you saw what Jarrett Patterson did last weekend. But that offensive line, you have to give a lot of credit to them. They they pretty much opened up a lot of holes. He did have some impressive um, after contact carries there, but there were a lot of open holes from that offensive line. Um, who else? I, I'm a big fan of Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. That guy's going to be very good. I mean, last year he's one of the best centers in college football. Flipped over from the defensive line. First first year at the position. Looked like he'd been there for years. Um, and this year, of course, he's the best center in college football, uh, to no surprise. So I would say those two. Um, a few others. App State and Marshall, again, group mm-hmm. of five teams, make the top Marshall's 10. BYU. Down. Yeah, BYU's up there, too. So there's a lot of great uh, great group of five offensive lines that crack the top 10. But by far, Notre Dame, they're my favorite. It's a shame that Jarrett Patterson's out. And I don't think we're probably not going to see Tommy Kramer this weekend, either. Um, cause he had the appendectomy, but he should be back for the, the big ACC championship game, which they now clinched. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, um, tell me about the, your least favorite offensive lines. Uh, the, I guess more like the lines who we thought maybe could, would have been better this year and haven't been. Um, I know one particular, uh, close to my heart is the FC Tigers offensive line has been not very good. I mean, you, I know you didn't put them in like the top, the bottom 20. They were like somewhere like in the fifties, I think. Um, mm-hmm. but they were, they've been, they've been rough this year, but anything else that stands out in, in that end of the spectrum? Um, I mean, there was a few that kind of caught me off guard, you know, as to like how bad they actually were like Indiana's, for example, like I've been talking about a lot, they're 124th. Um, they're great everywhere else, but they have just been, we never thought they would be good. Um, but they have just been an absolute kind of dumpster fire there, especially the tackle play. Um, yeah, you mentioned LSU. They're up there. Um, I, I would say those are the kind of big, the big noticeable ones for me. I will say, so I went back and I looked at these rankings to our preseason rankings in the college magazine, the preview magazine we did before the season. And we got some stuff wrong in there, but we got some stuff right. And I, I think the biggest oh, did thing it, we did nailed, we get did we get stuff wrong? I don't I don't remember. I don't remember us it, ever getting anything wrong. I, I think maybe one or two things. So that, that, that's about it. But I will say the offensive line rankings on our preseason, we did pretty good. I think there I, there was only maybe two, three, four teams that were like, 
majorly different from uh, whether it was better for worse. But for the most part, they were within 10 spots of each other, almost every single team. Um, so, yeah, a little pat on the back to us there. <laughs> All right, let's get into the, um, the games this weekend. Starting Friday night, uh, Louisiana goes to App State to, uh, to take on the, the Mountaineers. This this could be there's a, there's been some really good games in the Sun Belt this year between some really good teams and this is another one of them. Um, the line is 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 App State uh, minus two and a half probably because they're at home. Uh, but and yeah, they're the better you, team and they're the better team. That's why I, I think I think they're the better team too. Question is like how can can Louisiana's really good defense um, contain App State enough? I think the question should be the same for, you know, Ab State's defense against Louisiana. I think Louisiana is kind of a – I think they're a little fraudulent. I, I really don't know. I, know. I understand why they're ranked in the top 25. Well, you but, beat, they've won a lot of games, and they right, beat Iowa State, Iowa who State. is the greatest team in the Big 12. So there you go. They, uh, honestly, well, they, they might, on, they, no, 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 they're not. Like, we both in agreement that, uh, that Oklahoma is the best team still in the Big yes. 12. But Iowa State could be the Big 12 champion. They could be, yeah. But like going back to that game, I think that was more about Brock Purdy just playing absolutely terrible. Like I don't think Louisiana did anything. They, they benefited so much from Brock they Purdy stood having his the worst cor- game. The cornerbacks stood. They stood there, and then Brock Purdy threw them the football a few times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was by far his worst game of his collegiate career. I, Plus, it was they one had, of the they, most... had, they had two. A kick and a punt return for a touchdown, or at least one of those two. Yeah, it was very fluky. There yeah. was a lot of fluky plays in there, and so like going back to that game, that's where I'm like, kind of like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I like Louisiana, but not eight and one top twenty five type of team. But App State, we all, we all know, I love this defense. Yeah. Shamar Jean Charles. You, you'll see in our previous, our, our preview to our award watches here, um, they do have a candidate for the Thorpe Award this year. So, but I'll, I'll, Louisiana does too with, uh, you know, Trahan there. Um, but I, I like App State here. You know, shocker. I also like App State because I think the defense is going to roll a bit. Uh, sorry, the offense is going to roll a bit. Uh, so, yeah, I do, especially at home. And, and I, we're all in agreement. I'm, I'm enjoying the story of Louisiana this year, but I agree that they're not um, this. They're probably not a top 25 team. I think they're, they're the third best team in the Sun Belt. I think that's pretty much, uh, I think that, that's pretty clear. Okay, and then we go to Saturday. Ohio State goes to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. Michigan will State, they? yeah, will they? We'll see about that. Um, if if this game does happen, uh, Michigan State's going to win, right? No, okay. So um, Michigan State was not great against Northwestern um, uh, last weekend in the win, especially in the first half. Like Rocky Lombardi had like his first two throws were touchdowns, but he also, uh, sorry, his first two completions were touchdowns against Northwestern, but he also had like in that same time span, he had like 11 incompletions. So like, got, I would say like, like they threw like an end zone fade, whatever it happens, one-on-one made a really nice throw against cover three when the corner bit a little bit inside on, on Northwestern, but, and we're excited for Michigan state, you know, hopefully they can turn things around with Mel Tucker um but they're gonna get blown out so there you go yeah i mean it was um like rocky lombard he played like he did against michigan like you know he had a couple of highlight yeah. real throws in there but then he just counteracted yeah. just horrible. No, that, it was like just like that one that one the first touchdown the 85 yard touchdown or 75 yard touchdown mm-hmm. what a beautiful throw i mean the corner didn't play correctly like at 100 percent. but what a beautiful beautiful throw 
Yeah, I will say he's had more highlight reel throws than I expected, yeah. but he's also been a lot more inaccurate than I expected. And I expect yeah. him to be very inaccurate this year. I was not expecting much from him. Yeah. So that kind of says a lot. But also, I think the question is, you know, like, so when we're recording, we have no idea what's going to happen. We probably won't find out until last minute with this game. If they do not play this game, do you think they're going to make the playoff? Ohio State, not Michigan State, I should clarify. Yes, I think Michigan State is going to make the playoff if they know. Uh, this is this is the tough question because they're going to end up with five wins. Now, they, they are going to play like some sort of like extra game maybe on on Big Ten title game day. Like I've heard, I'm not really sure what's going on. But so like it might be against like Wisconsin or something like that, which would help them a little bit. I think that... Ohio State, even if they're just five and zero or six and zero and don't win the Big Ten title, I mean, I'm not saying anything crazy here, but they are one of the top four most talented uh, teams in the country, and we would probably assume that they would stay undefeated if they had to play a full schedule. We agree with that. I hope they don't make it in the playoff if that happens, because it leaves the door open for some team uh, that you know is not a very big team to 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 get in there, like big school Florida or big school Texas A&M, which is actually what's going to happen rather than Cincinnati or BYU. But it leaves a door open at least for Cincinnati or BYU if Ohio State can't get it in. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens. Um, even though, you know what? I, I really like Ohio State. Um, I like the players, like the schemes and everything like that. So I'm like, I'm into what they're doing, especially on offense. Um, but yeah, it would be just cool if they didn't make it in. Yeah, and you know, I don't think they will because the committee is just they're sticklers for that that conference title, and you, we can see it with what they're doing with the Big Twelve right now. I hate what they're doing with the Big Twelve because they're uh, making the Iowa State and Oklahoma yeah. seem better than they are. So we're all going to watch that game. In all reality, we shouldn't be watching that game because they should not, neither of those two teams should make it in the playoff. I, even though I think Oklahoma's a good team, Iowa State's way overrated. I think we need to be looking at Cincinnati and BYU, and also I think BYU is a better team over Cincinnati. I, I just cannot understand. Like when you, if they talk about the eye test, you watch BYU's offense. I don't know how you can say that they can't go toe to toe with Cincinnati. And I know Cincinnati's defense is great, but we talk about it all the time. Offense wins championships. BYU has a potent offense. You know, they can shut down SMU, Memphis, and UCF. But when it comes to BYU, I, I think BYU's got that in the bag. I think they would win by maybe 10, 14 points in that. And if we did get to see that kind of game. Let's move on to Texas A&M and Auburn. Texas A&M just looked like utter garbage on offense against LSU. And maybe this was a case of LSU just finally being who they should be on defense. But I'm going to assume this is more of a case of Kellen Mond being the inconsistent quarterback that we, know Ke- yeah, that we know Kellen Mond yeah. to be. Now they play against Auburn. And if, if you had that same type of performance... Uh, that you do this week against an Auburn defense, and Bo Nix does one of his good games, which you never know. It, it could happen. It probably yeah, won't, they, but they it come could out of happen. Nowhere. They come, out of, come nowhere. out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you're in a game with 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 Auburn when you're probably the better team. I I think Auburn has a really good chance of yeah, winning this game, I and I'm I don't I'm not a big fan of Bo Nix. We know that. But I think there is real change just because, you know, if like I, we talked about on the recap episode uh, from this past weekend, there is a good chance we see that same Texas A&M offense. Yeah. And at that point, Auburn's smashing them. And I, so that, that's why I think at this point, you know, they're favored by seven points. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won by 20. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost by 20. You know, I, it's just because you're facing, this is like two of the most inconsistent offenses really in the conference. So I'm intrigued by that fact. So it'll be interesting to see which uh, teams we get on Saturday. It was very plain to see uh, in the LSU game this past weekend that Texas A&M needs to find a way to get better receivers on that team. Because, yeah, yeah if you had, if you had, um, man, someone who was, so if you had like a Zach Wilson or a Lawrence, Ch- T, you know, Trevor Lawrence or, or Fields or whatever, who could, who was always throwing the ball accurately, always throwing to the right spot, then, okay, maybe they could get away with it. But with a guy who's as inconsistent as Kellen Mond, when you don't have those receivers that can separate, and LSU just played a bunch of man coverage and, and stuck to their receivers, they tried, they tried, you know, Jalen Watermeyer on Javel Cox, like, 10 times in the whole game and it's not no separation at all they um, thought that could work and it clearly yeah. denied that's and, the and i get it because he's, he's probably their best like you know like regardless of position best like you know receiver um yeah. and cox is you know hasn't had an, an, a great year could, nothing absolutely nothing so anyways uh, let's stick let's stick to defense though because oklahoma state goes to uh tcu Oklahoma State, very good defense for the first uh, six games of the season. And then the past two weeks, uh, getting exposed by both uh, Oklahoma, which we'd expected. And then Texas Tech came in and scored like 41 points or whatever it was. So all of a sudden, Oklahoma State can't even play defense anymore. But they do get the win, so they're 6-2. and two. On the other side of the field, we have Max Duggan, who had the best stat line of the, in the history of college football, I think. Uh, three completions, three touchdowns. So, I mean, yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty good. I, of course, it was like three for 11, but, um, but it's great. It was actually in the eighties. Cause those three, there were three big time throws and, yeah. and not enough. Um, they didn't throw the ball enough for his grade to really come down a bit. Uh, yeah. Anyways, what do you see? What do you see going on in this game? I'm just learning that Oklahoma state's favored by two and a half points, which is crazy to me. Like I think, even though they gave up, like like you said, forty one points to Texas mm-hmm. Tech, I thought the defense overall played pretty pretty sound. They played pretty well. You know, we talked about Trey Sterling; that was the play of the week last week. I mean, that guy's an absolute baller. And so is Darius Williams, the cornerback. I think it's going to be very very hard for this TCU offense to put up any points. You know, just I just I can't see it happening. I think it's going to be. I think it'll be a blowout. I think so too. I don't think TCU is going to score that many points. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Great, the great, the storyline of the three completions with three touchdowns not going to happen again. Oklahoma State's too yeah. good on defense. Uh, North Carolina uh, hosts Western Carolina, um, throwaway game really, uh, yeah. but uh, but you know it it'll be a good stat pattern for for Sam Howell and those and the receivers and the running backs after after Notre Dame came there and 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 dominated them on the and the the main thing you know i wrote the article this week about you know what they what notre dame was doing in terms of you know the funky coverage rotations that they had showed a bit early in the season and then kind of came out and played it a lot um to defeat the rpos that north carolina wanted to run but at the end of the day they can block anybody like you can't win a yeah. lot of games if you can't block anybody and that's probably i'd say one of the biggest things going forward in this offseason you know sam howell is going to come back you know assuming phil longo comes back you know to, to, to run the offense um they're going to be good skill wise they can just fix the offensive line they're going to be they're going to be a really good team next year and they're and they're a really good team this year to tell you the truth yeah and like you know we were talking about it's the offensive line but i i just i think you know if any sort of 
like any sort of failure on one thing, that the offense completely becomes, it tries yeah. to become a safe one to try and counteract it. And you just have to keep being aggressive against those types of teams. Like I know the, the offensive line is absolutely atrocious. It was one of the worst, you know, power five offensive line performances we've seen this season from a grading perspective, but you have, you just have to keep being aggressive. That, that's the only way you can't go that safe and conservative route. Cause that's going to get you nowhere. But next year, they're not going to have Michael Carter and Jamonte Williams. So I think yeah, that'll, that'll, I mean, it's going to be a big loss, but I think it's going to be a help because the play calling is not going to lean on those two as much as it you know normally would in those types of situations. Okay, Rice goes to Marshall, sure. Um, Marshall's yeah. undefeated. Great offensive line, as we talked about. Um, Grant Wells playing really high level. I guess Marshall's going to win. Honestly, I don't know much about Rice this year. I was just assuming Marshall's going to win and probably cover 23 and a half. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're going to sure. win Good. by a lot. All right. Um, a group of five game that is going to be super fun to watch. Uh, maybe. Is, yeah, maybe. Is Liberty going to Conway, South Carolina and Brooks Stadium to play uh, Coastal Carolina? Still undefeated. Liberty has that one loss last week to to NC State. We don't know the status of Malik Willis uh, as of recording, which is a big deal. Let's say Malik Willis plays. Let's live in a world where Malik Willis plays. Are we seeing, now Coach Carolina's got a good defense, but are we seeing like a 45-41 game? Are we seeing 30-something points by each team? Uh, can I dream like that? I think so. But I, I don't know because like that, that's what I would be rooting for too. But I mean, yeah. these are two of the better offenses in college football. I mean, Coastal Carolina you know, week after week, they're one, except for that App State game, that's really been the only blemish on their, their, you know, season so far from an offensive output perspective. They've been one of the most efficient passing attacks in college football. I mean, I, I see some of your tweets all the time about this Coastal Carolina offense. I mean, we have to start, you know, giving the, this team credit. They, they've been damn good this year. I mean, Jamie Chadwell, what he's done, yeah. you know, what, this year is just nothing short of remarkable with this team. In Malik Willis, I mean, he's been... You know, Zach Wilson's the biggest surprise out of non-Power 5 teams. I think he's up there because we were not expecting much. Because, I mean, if you're transferring, if you don't win the starting job over Bo Nix, you know, you, and you go to Liberty, you kind of assume the worst, then you're probably not going to get a good player out of him. But he's been, you know, on, whether it's through the air or on the ground, been pretty good, better than Bo Nix. I'd say so. Uh, you know, watching Coastal Carolina again this week against Texas State, and now Texas State's not a good football team, but... The thing that I keep coming back to is the same every time when you watch this this Coastal Carolina offense. So, first of all, diversity in scheme. They're doing a lot of different stuff. But, and especially in the run game, they're doing a lot of option stuff. And what and I've said this before, but what do you want to do against a triple option team? Well, you want to play, you want to play with two high safeties, except not really two high safeties. They're kind of like two low safeties. Um, because you want more guys in the box and you don't want, and you want, so the reason you do, you, the reason you play, instead of like playing with one high safety and then having the second safety as a nestled box player is because you don't know which side the run is going to, especially in the triple option kinds of guys are coming in motion and stuff like that. So you want two low safeties and it gives you really nine guys in the box rather than eight guys in the box. So you see that against Georgia tech, you know, in the Paul Johnson days all the time problem is that this damn Grayson McCall kid is so accurate down the field that if you give him these looks where the two highest with his two low safeties 
you get man-to-man coverage everywhere else. And, and that's not going to cut it against a kid that is that accurate as Grayson McCall, especially down the field. He threw this oh, beautiful, beautiful uh, deep out route against this coverage that I'm talking about where he moved in the pocket and then found a deep out route uh, to the field side. So I'm so impressed by everything that Coastal Carolina is doing. They make it really hard on you um, defensively um, uh, to play what you want to do against triple option. All right, let's move back to... Uh, the uh, the ACC Syracuse goes to Notre Dame Notre Dame another offense that makes it hard on you uh, defensively because they maul you because their offensive line is so good like we said Ian Book is going to become the all time wins leader in Notre Dame history this week when they beat uh, the one and nine Syracuse Orange and I'm happy for him because he's doing it now while actually playing good quarterback. Exactly. You can attribute these wins to yes. actually him. You know, it's not, the, you know, the defense or everyone else around him. The dude has been winning games himself these last last three games. And I've been, I mean, I'm shocked. He proved this it's, wrong. It's his we were, best we three-game stretch by far, by far, oh. by far, by far against Power 5 yeah. competition or probably just against anyone that he's ever had. And he's been there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, by far. Like you, like you said, PFF grades above 80.0 in every single one. This is going to be a good... Yeah, it's going to be a good warm-up. I, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of a little nervous because if, if we got the old Ian Book against Wake Forest, they can put up points. You know, I think they could have made this that game a good matchup. We're not going to get it anymore. Now, I, I still would have picked Notre Dame to win, but I think yeah. that game would have been better than we expected. But, you know, it's just going to, going to be a good, you know, stat-padding yeah. matchup before they face the Clemson Tigers here in a few weeks. It's already December. I couldn't believe that. I was talking about December 5th on a radio hit yesterday like it was three weeks away and then it was like wait anthony that's this weekend because i was hoping we'd get byu cincinnati that's out of the picture now but i'm I'm still salty about that but anyway i don't know why i got into that it's it's been on my mind but notre dame's gonna clobber syracuse yeah i think so uh they they might have found like maybe a quarterback for next year and rex culpepper rather than uh uh god i forgot his name (laughs) It's been so long that I thought about Syracuse. All right, so let's forget that then. Uh, Florida uh, goes to Tennessee, the 3.30 CBS game, or 2.30 or 1.30, depending on where you live. Um, another chance for on national television for Kyle Trask to impress and, and, and solidify himself as the Heisman winner. 100%. I mean, we, we had, I mean, I personally, I don't know who your Heisman favorite is. I've actually never asked you this. I would go Mac Jones. I think it's Mac Jones and then Zach Wilson. And then after that, it gets a little interesting with, you know, Kyle Trask, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Come on. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. We'd put Devonta Smith up there before Najee Harris. But, you know, I think he is going to end up winning it. That's that's just my opinion. I I would give it to Mac Jones, but I think Kyle Trask is ultimately going to be the winner. Um, But, you know, it's same thing with Ian Book. I mean, these two quarterbacks, I really don't know. They must have just... They must have listened to the podcast when we trashed them. What week was that? Because the same week, those dudes turned it on, and they've been on fire ever since. Uh, some a top college football person told me that Bo Nixon and Ian Book are basically the same quarterback, and since that day, you know, because you have these two guys who don't like being in the pocket. They're like uh, skittish in the pocket. They don't, you know, like whatever. And when you said that, that day, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. they kind of were. Yeah. And then since that day, um, one of them is still the same quarterback. But the other one, like we said, yeah. Ian Book is, has, been, has been so much better. Yeah, I agree. I think Mac Jones is, should, 
probably win the Heisman. And then Zach Wilson. It's just, you know, one of the problems with Zach Wilson is that there's this these time off between games now because they went from the Boise State game. They're going to have like a month off before they play against a very, very good San Diego State pass defense. So that I'm excited. Did they even play that game? Am I losing my mind here? Is that this week? No, um, that, that's that we got a few weeks. I, okay. Well, why did they not schedule a game for I, this? I week? don't. They, I'm sure saying, they tried, but I don't know. I feel like they. I feel like they might just be playing for a New Year's Six bowl instead of the playoff. I, I really do think be, because either that or a team like Cincinnati just was like, no, we don't want to schedule you because I mean, look at us right now. We're in a good situation. If Notre Dame beats Clemson. Alabama smashes Florida, you know, we're in Ohio state doesn't play. And I mean, we're, we're right there in the CFP. We don't, we don't need this game. Yeah. So, I mean, it does make it interesting. They probably should have scheduled that game with Washington um, a couple of weeks ago because they are now ranked surprisingly, even though I like, I do like, we'll get into them later, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, so we were talking about Florida and Tennessee and. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> So I guess my, my question for this game is I think Florida's gonna gonna move the ball a lot. Them showing out and, and continuing to be a little bit better each week on defense is super important for them. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? No matter what, no matter how Kyle Trask plays, he's gonna be still in the Heisman front seat because I have faith in this offense. Whether you know he's doing it or it's Dan Mullen pulling the strings, he's gonna put up numbers and that's gonna win him the Heisman regardless. But like you said, Man, we've been preaching preaching to the choir about this. This defense is brutal yeah. from top to bottom. They really need to start to show something because if they can't, they can't shut down Tennessee's offense this week. They zero percent chance. Alabama may hang sixty on them. Florida might put up forty two, but it's not going to be it's not going to matter. You need to be, you know, yeah. You just have to shut them down at least a few times. And I just really don't have much faith in that defense doing so. So they just really need a good day this week. When I watched, the more I watched Trask, it's funny. Like we're, we're like it's just been perfect for him this season. Don't think he's a first round quarterback. That's fine. Like um, we're allowed to say I, that. I think he'll go there. I think he might go there too. Yeah. yeah, it's just the he really throws a very catchable football, but it, there's no like velocity behind it. But it's very catchable, nice spiral. Like I like a lot of the things when when he throws it. Just there's lack of mobility. And and probably arm strength there. All right, let's try and speed Wait, it up. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, oh I got ahead. I got an interesting point there. The people might like this. I think this year we're going to see the 1983 record tied for the most quarterbacks in the first round. I think we will because of the supply and the demand. I think we're going to see. I wouldn't be surprised if we, we see Zach Wilson. So this is very early. I'm just typed, you know, thinking about this. I think Zach Wilson might slide a little bit from where you know we would take him probably top three at this point. I mean, the kid's shown it. Um, but I think so he might slide a little let, bit. But at, at the end of the day, yeah. at the end of at the end of the first round, we're going to see, you know, where are the Patriots picking, where are the the Colts, where are the Steelers. They all maybe, need quarterbacks. Maybe, maybe the Packers take another quarterback. Like, and that's true. Who knows? I mean, we're getting into the NFL talk here, but I think it's interesting just the with the way. So, yeah, it's a year of the quarterback. Yeah, and so like, let's kind of mouth. So you're going to have like Lawrence Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. I think those are probably for sure your your first round picks maybe i'm missing somebody and then you're gonna you're gonna add in probably mac jones someone's gonna like mac jones and probably somebody that's gonna like college Shice. now the one thing i'll say that's different like from the packers falling in love with jordan love is you felt like okay well jordan love you know you watch the tape and it's like ah not very accurate and throws the ball to the team a lot 
but he runs around. He's got a live arm, so you can make something work there. I, I guess again, we're 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 getting out of our realm a little bit here. But if you're an NFL team and you're looking at Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, are you saying, okay, but those guys are closer to finished products, so why would we take them that early? Now, I think they might they still might, but it, I think it's very different than like the Packers liking. Uh, Jordan Love, even though they still had Aaron Rodgers on their team, and a guy who, and now he hasn't dressed. I think the whole season. So, yeah. don't forget anyway. about Jamie Newman in the, the day two, our, our boy Jamie Newman. Um, all right, so let's speed run the rest of these games. West Virginia going to Iowa State. Do we see an upset there, or um, or Iowa State is going to keep winning? Upset. I think West Virginia wins Ooh. because. There's been only one time I've been impressed by Brock Purdy this season. Just once. Correct. And that was against against Kansas State. Absolutely. And he's not going to... And, and what did we talk about that weekend? It was like just a perfect situation to be in. They ran the ball really well. They were gashing them every time they, they ran it. Play action, throw the ball down the field, make some plays. But like you still, you're still waiting for him as a pocket player uh, to do something. Yeah, I, this West Virginia defense is so very good. good. Oh, it's very it, good. I mean, Tyke Smith, man, he's been so so good in the slot for him. I think it's gonna it, it's gonna cause some. He, I think he's gonna make some mistakes. They're gonna make him make mistakes, and so that's why I'm leaning West Virginia in this one. Even though Iowa State's favored by a touchdown, I I think the Mountaineers, I think they're gonna do it. Okay, Indiana goes to Wisconsin. I, I this was gonna be a amazing game if Michael Panix Jr. was healthy uh, because you have that really good uh, Indiana offense against against even though they've only played three games I'm pretty sure Wisconsin has the best uh, defense in terms of EPA per play allowed uh, this season uh, they've been tremendous on defense uh, that's not gonna happen Michael Penix not there don't know much about you know he came in off the bench uh, I don't even forgot his name Ty I don't remember his name uh, Jack came off the bench there you go Jack Tuttle um, came off the bench uh, in the last week in the Maryland game I don't I don't foresee uh, a scenario where Indiana wins this game you know I was in a good mood and then <laughs> I saw this game pop up and I was like damn it yeah, it just sucks for Michael Penix Jr. It just sucks for him. Torrey's ACL. I mean, this Indiana team, I thought they would win this game. thought they'd beat Purdue. Ohio you know, State doesn't play. They're in the Big Ten Championship game. You know, it, they were in a great situation. And then the worst possible thing yeah. could happen with their quarterback here and there's ACL. But, but I, yeah, you know, I haven't been impressed with Wisconsin's offense these last couple of weeks. Um, this is not an Illinois type of defense where Graham Mertz is going to light it up again. So I think it's going to be a low, low scoring game. Okay. And, but I think Wisconsin's still going to win because I like this Indiana defense. I also like Wisconsin's defense. I'm curious to see, you know, how uh, Indiana is, if they can get after the quarterback, because this Wisconsin off of the line is good, you know, can, because we know they love to blitz. I mean, they just absolutely love to blitz one of the highest blitz rates, you know, in the country this season. So that's one I'm going to be looking forward to here. So, you know, can they get after Graham Mertz, make them uncomfortable if they do, I think it's going to be a little bit closer, but Wisconsin's still going to win either way. Iowa is a 19th-ranked team in the country. They go to Champaign, Illinois, to take on uh, the uh, University of Illinois. But look, uh, Illinois isn't good, and I think Iowa, you talk about their offensive line, you talk about Lindenbaum earlier in the game, they, they can probably maul them. Um but it's not, it's not, a, I, I would say don't watch this game. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're probably going to see 
you know, Spencer Petras out there, even though he's very inaccurate, just to light up an Illinois defense, and they're thinking, oh, maybe we should move up Iowa a couple spots. Maybe they're better than what we thought. Probably, I mean, in our eyes, it's not going to be the case. Nope. All right, uh, Tulsa, back in action, taking on Navy. Um, I think we're both in this. We've been saying this for a while. Or I've been saying this for a while, and I'm, I'm ranting and I'm like roping you into this. But we want Tulsa to win because we want them to play. We, we, we want the Cincinnati game, which I guess is next week now, to be very meaningful. So Tulsa, 12-point uh, favorites. We see that happening? Yeah, 100%. Zayvon Collins, man. That guy is going to be – he has a very bright future ahead of him. Vanderbilt goes to Georgia. Vanderbilt looking for a head coach now, uh, going to Georgia – Playing against the best quarterback of all time, JT Daniels. To some. <laughs> uh, this is going to be bad. This is, this is going to be bad for Vanderbilt. Another game I just, that I don't think anyone should watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to watch just because I want to see JT Daniels throw the ball. I was excited to watch him throw the ball last week, but no, they just have to run the ball right down South yeah. Carolina's throats. Didn't get Might to happen that. I want to see that this weekend. It very well could happen again. This Vanderbilt defense is really not that not good at all. So, but still, I hope we get to see JT Daniels throw the ball. I need to see more from him. All right, Stanford goes to Washington. Uh, Washington's all, all of a sudden, you know, I, I kind of forgotten about Washington. I talked so much about USC and Oregon in the offseason and, and then through the beginning of the first few weeks of uh, uh, Pac-12 play that I kind of forgot that Washington does a good football program. You know, they, they had it down here last year. But this is a really good football program undefeated and they host Stanford this 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 Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and this defense is just nothing short of remarkable no, I across love the watching, board. Love watching what Jimmy Lake has done on defense there since he's got there. Very pro style uh defense, one high stuff, um but then still playing a lot of like drop eight um coverages. I'm I'm into it. I'm really into it. Yeah, I mean, Elijah Molden, Trick McDuffie, been exact, been elite like we thought they'd be. I mean, Elijah yeah. Molden's one of my favorite players to watch, just what he can do in the slot. And then also, too, I'm not going to say his last name. He's going to be like DJ from Clemson. He's first name basis, Zion. The dude from his pass rushing, man. He has 17 pressures in three games, 91.6 pass rush grade. Just been in- incredible. And then Eddie Fawn, too, the off-ball linebacker, he was one of our breakout candidates for the season. He's breaking out. All right, speaking of breakout candidates that did not break out, the entire Cal Golden Bear team, uh, they're 0-3. They host Oregon uh, this weekend. Cal, man, we thought I thought this was going to be the dark horse in the entire Pac-12, and now they haven't won a game. What the hell? Yeah, man, this is just like this is the darkness of our hearts right here. Because this game we had we had such high hopes for both of these teams. Oregon's three and one, but man, they've just been so disappointing across yeah. the board. Especially Tyler Shuck, we talked about it too. Yeah. California, I can't even get into. It just makes me so mad because they, they don't look anything like they a little bit some of the guys they showed, especially Garbers at the towards the end of last season. Just nothing like it at all whatsoever. And we weren't we weren't the only ones that thought this Cal team was gonna be good and a little dangerous. And here they are. They're, they look, I mean, absolutely disastrous. Terrible. Clemson goes to Virginia Tech. Another game uh, for Trevor Lawrence to look like the number one pick, basically. Yeah, I mean, he looked like it last week. We, we knew he would bounce back. He did with an elite-graded game. Um, Virginia Tech, I'm looking at this offensive line. Again, they were one of our um, – they actually made the top five in the, our offensive line rankings over at pff.com. Highly recommend you check that out. I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. And I spent my entire life on it. And I haven't slept in three weeks. 
But anyway, I, I, that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in this one. Christian Darisaw, if he can sustain the level of play he is. Because right now, he's the highest-graded tackle in the Power 5. Yeah, he's a good player. All right, Alabama goes to Tiger Stadium to take on the LSU Tigers. I'm afraid of this one. It is it going to be, be an early rough. bedtime for Seth? Like, you're uh, not going to tune in for the 8 o'clock games? CBS putting this at 8 o'clock uh, as like a primetime game uh, at this point is wild but i guess people are gonna tune into it I, i'm gonna watch it i'm a fr- like because like that's what i thought about it like last week so what's been happening like after lsu lost lsu played mississippi state to open the season 330 cbs game that was the game i watched didn't have my laptop open just had the tv open watched that game since then what i've done for all the lsu games is if i have my laptop open streaming the lsu game on usually on mute and then i have whatever the big game is at the same time on the tv then the Texas A&M game, I was like, look, the Texas A&M, Alabama, and Florida back-to-back-to-back. There's anything I want. I know LSU season's done, but there's anything I want. I want to ruin the seasons of Texas A&M, Alabama, and Florida. So even though we don't think this is going to be a good game, this is going to be the main thing. And it's LSU-Alabama. It has a special place in my heart. <laughs> They're going to get killed. They're going to get killed. The offensive line yeah. is not good enough. The quarterback play is terrible you know without miles brennan and the defense will not look like it did last week against texas a&m i hope i'm wrong i really hope i'm wrong i would love to ruin alabama season i don't think it's gonna happen yeah i mean last last year's game i mean that i mean that yeah that night was one of the most memorable i've had in quite some time but i'm looking forward to seeing Derek stanley jr against devonta smith um Mm. i know Derek stanley jr is you know he's looking his chops at this one because he knows that was the one game he really messed up last year. And they, Devonta Smith, he I think it was over 200 yards he had on him. Over a third of his receiving yards allowed for the season came against Devonta Smith in that one game. And they also got him on that, um, uh, uh, yeah. you're talking about Florida did it, the little tempo thing. They caught him on that big touchdown. That was one of them. But still, he gave up a few other big plays. So he's looking to shut him down. That's what I'm looking forward to in this one. Um, Derek Stanley Jr., not, not much ball production this year. But a few quarterbacks, you could tell, they're not throwing his way. They're just not going to do it because they know what's going to happen if they do, like what last year did. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that matchup is going to hold up. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's not going to be close. That's the only thing I'm looking forward to in this one. Yeah, that's that that at a micro level is going to be awesome other, other than that. Because remember, like LSU, you know, the defense wasn't great the first half of the last season or the first like however many games of last season. First half. The they, entire season. No, they were better at the end, but um, like in the playoffs and against Georgia. But Alabama's like, yeah, unless you won the game, Alabama scored forty points or thirty-five points or whatever it was. Like, and they're gonna they're gonna do that again this year. And they had one and of the greatest college players of all time. Yeah, <laughs> at quarterback, TJ so, Finley's not exactly Joe Burrow. Yeah, and LSU won't score. So there you go. All right, Miami goes yeah. to Duke. Feel like we haven't talked about or seen Miami in such a long time. Um, I'm excited for this Miami team to keep winning and and to go to a to go to a big time bowl if that's possible. Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, uh, just like a little, you know, I know what we're gonna see from Derek King and Chase Bryce. You're gonna see good from Derek King. You're not gonna see good from Chase Bryce. Chase Bryce has been one of the more disappointing quarterbacks just because he looked good in garbage time with Clemson. Um, he has not looked good at all this year. I, I'm kind of curious to see. I, I saw a few places where the guard for Miami, Navon Donaldson has not been he's been out first half of the season he's cleared now we'll see if he can get get in there 
work a little bit. Um, that's that's the big thing I'm looking in this one because I mean Miami's. I mean they're going to handle Duke. All right, and last one um, is uh, Baylor going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I think probably can. Cl- I imagine they, they can clinch the uh, a title game appearance with a win. Baylor's been okay. They got the win last week, but Oklahoma. All right. <laughs> Oklahoma's probably going to win this game. I want to talk about uh, Spencer Rattler for a bit. This guy has stupid arm talent. Stupid, stupid arm talent. It, I'm interested. This is, I, I know this question is out of nowhere, but I'd be so interested if he were coming out this year into the draft, what we would, like the, the discussions would be wild Ooh. for him because... The arm talent is top five. It might even be better than than it's on par. Let's say with with Trevor Lawrence, uh, maybe a little less, and and probably on par with with Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. But he has not been great from inside the pocket. A lot of his plays have been made outside the pocket. So I just I just think it would be interesting to see like kind of like you know you look at how insane draft Twitter is, uh, uh, the draft industrial complex is. To see what what we, they would talk about him if he were to come up this season, is he a chef with his routes? Is that was <laughs> that what the take was on the, the DK Metcalf thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he would be. I, I think the first two picks are like set in stone. But like you see what Patrick Mahomes was in college and what he's doing right now, I think teams would just they would. I mean, I think they're going to fall in love with this guy. You know, I don't want to talk about my take about Keaton Slovis being the number one overall pick right now. I think it's for next year. It's going to be Spencer Rattler because of the things, you know, the mobility. You know, it's not such like it's not an added plus anymore. If you're not mobile, that, I mean, that's what teams it's are scared crazy. about with Kyle Trask. Well, that's that, what I'm that's saying. With, and, 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 and Mac Jones, on the other hand, going back to him, has some mobility to him. It, yeah. I mean, it hasn't been a complete and utter disaster. Yeah. So I'm, I'm um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a very good NFL player. I'm, I'm not sure if you agree, but I do think he will be. Um, he's definitely got a lot of kinks. No, no, he's going to be because like the arm talent alone. I mean, yeah, you can't pass on that type of stuff. I'm not comparing him to Mahomes, but he can he can do some things outside of the pocket that no quarterback can really, you know, do in college football, except for a select like Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, yeah, can't he, he, can, he will but... have to he will have to learn to make some reads from the pocket at some point. But I, yeah, I expect it, him to do he, it. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that's it. That's the top twenty-five. Uh, thanks for um, thanks for being on again, Anthony. And we will see you on uh, on Monday morning for the recap show. Uh, so there it was, uh, Jason Kirk and Anthony Tresh on the program. One game that me and Tresh forgot to talk about because it's on Sunday. Sunday night football. Washington State goes to LA to take on USC. USC is undefeated. Obviously, they're a good football team. I there is upset potential here with Washington State and their offense, um, led by Jaden Delora. So I, you know, I think USC is going to win. But um, if an upset happens, do not at me. I think it might. All right, uh, take care. See you guys uh, for the recap episode uh, next week. <laughs>